Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sleepest Podcast. I am your host, Vlad. My co-host, Josh, could not make it today, so this will be my very first ever solo sode. We're going to jump into some sleep news. Number one, there was a great podcast that was released today on the Jordan Harbinger Show. And let me look that up. It was podcast episode number 126, interviewing Matthew Walker, author of Why We Sleep and a brilliant sleep researcher uh, from Australia. So highly recommend that podcast. Ton, ton of great information. And he is a dream guest that we are working very hard to get on this program. And another upcoming program note, excuse me, I'm a little hoarse today. We will be reviewing the Aura Ring, which I've had for about the last two weeks and have been playing with, as well as doing a side-by-side comparison of the Molecule air filter to the Dyson air filter. That's going to be coming in the next few weeks. We know it's holiday season and we're all looking to make purchases either for ourselves or for our loved ones, so this could be a great opportunity to dive deep into those cool technologies. But enough of the chit-chat. This episode is all about light. What does light have to do with sleep and how does it impact our sleep-wake cycles? When you stop to think about it, up until the 1880s, people were engulfed in darkness. The only time that they saw light was by a candle or a fire. That was it. There was no electric lighting. There were no cities. There were no screens. There were no LCDs or LEDs or light bulbs or anything like that. So people were in the dark. When we were going to sleep, we were in pitch black darkness. There were no nightlights. So if we evolved in the dark to go to sleep in the dark, it stands to reason that our brain is programmed to recognize light as wake time and dark as sleep time. And that dynamic changed with the presence of electric lighting about 150 years ago, and it's only become more ever-present since then. What exactly is happening here? In our eyes, we have photoreceptors that are recognizing not just visual stimulus, but actual light frequencies. So if, we, if they sense a bright light, that then sends a signal to the brain, specifically the part of the brain known as the suprachiasmatic nucleus. The suprachiasmatic nucleus then sends a hormonal response, either suppressing or releasing melatonin through the pineal gland, also found in the brain, which acts as the core of our circadian rhythm. So it is the biological clock that controls our body's need to either wake up or go to sleep. Bright light, specifically blue light, as an article that I will link from the Harvard Health website points out, um, if there is bright blue light, it suppresses melatonin release in the suprachiasmatic nucleus via the eyes, and then the the lack of melatonin is now not signaling to the rest of your body that it's time for bed. Where do we start from here? Um, The first question is, is there a way to have less light in our rooms? So one thing that I do... I have a bathroom that has very, very bright lighting. It has about five or six different light bulbs. So at night, as soon as I come home from work, I will physically unscrew four of the light bulbs in the bathroom so that only one is lit. So that if I am washing up at night getting ready for bed, I only have one dim light instead of the whole Times Square light show that was going on in the bathroom. Also, I try to use only smaller night lights and not any of the big overhead lighting when I'm at home after work. Again, after hours, I want to try to minimize the light because it's not just the blue light. Obviously, that's the biggest issue. And once you've done that, if you want to take it to the next level, you might want to invest in some blue blocking light bulbs. They're actual real normal light bulbs, except they have a slight amber hue. And when they're on, they give a nice aura of mood lighting in 
the room. What I've done is I took a couple of those light bulbs and I swapped them out with my regular light bulbs in the nightstand so at least in the bedroom I can keep the lights on at night, especially if I want to read before bed and not have to be as concerned with them knocking my circadian rhythm out of whack. Now a pair of these light bulbs will probably run you about 30 to 32 dollars for two. The ones that I use are called Lighting Science Goodnight LED Household Light Bulbs. They are the ones that I've used for a couple of years now. They seem to last quite a while. They are LED lights and so they're more environmentally friendly and long lasting, but they do have that filter built right into the lens so you don't have to worry about the light. Now the next step is, everybody talks about it, but cell phones and computers. If you have a night mode on your cell phone, do yourself a favor and use it. If you can't go without being on your cell phone for an hour before bed, which is probably the ideal, uh, at the very least make sure you have some sort of blue filter app on your phone. On the computer I use, actually right now as I'm recording, I'm using something called Flux, F.Lux. Does a great job giving that pinkish hue to the screen. And also we've talked about this in, uh, I think our last episode, blue blockers which are glasses, kind of like sunglasses, but instead of blocking out the sunlight, they block out blue frequencies. They're reddish in color. There is, again, on that same Harvard Health page, there is an indication that they seem to be effective from a scientific perspective, which is also ultimately the gold standard. We wanna make sure that there's some science behind this. So the blue blocking um, glasses seem to be effective. I will link to the pairs that I use in the previous episode I did mention that there are two pairs. I have the cooler looking ones, which are a little bit uh, less of a filtration, but they are more normal to wear for day to day than Gunnar Optics. They're about $50. And then, test, let's get that sound. The other pair that I use are the Biorhythm Safe Nighttime Eyewear Blue Blockers. They are about $35 also on Amazon. They look extra, extra nerdy in every extra way possible. Not something that I would typically wear outside, but still great for in the house. A note on blue blockers, it's critical to make sure that you're putting them on at about the same time every night, conditioning your body to start releasing melatonin at the right time on a consistent basis. Next, while we're on the topic of darkness, in the previous episode, we already talked about getting blackout curtains, and I just wanna reiterate the use of black LED tape meaning black masking tape that I put over LEDs in the room. Those things are very disruptive and they shine like a spotlight in the middle of the night. Uh, it's a really cheap and easy hack, we can call it, a sleep hack, and it'll help you um, get much better sleep in the middle of the night. So we've gone through the cell phone apps, we've gone through the tape, we've gone through the light bulbs and the blue blockers. Just again, as a general rule, try to expose yourself to less light try to avoid that blue frequency light. And to end the episode, the only other light trick that I will talk about is getting a light alarm. It's a way to wake up in a much more calm, soothing, and less painful way than just a blaring alarm first thing in the morning, which is probably the worst possible way to wake up. So the same way that blue light helps to suppress melatonin, it's very useful in the morning for waking you up and feeling good. And remember, in the daytime, we want to get as much blue light as possible because that's what sunlight is. And that's what a waking state is triggered by. So get a nice light alarm. Let me look up the one that I have. It is called, I don't even have a fancy one. It's called the Toto Bay 
wake up light second generation sunrise simulation snooze alarm clock it's only 26 dollars, and the beauty of this one versus some of the other lights again it doesn't have those blaring leds so you don't have to worry about that light shining through the whole night just from the little clock or um, led power light that it has so it's dimmable the way it works is about 30 minutes before your wake up time, it very lightly starts to come on and then the light gets brighter and brighter to full peak brightness as you're supposed to wake up. I use that in conjunction with my Fitbit to buzz on my arm in the morning so that I'm not actually waking up to any alarm. Um, and that's the, the combination that works for me. You're more than welcome to still use a regular alarm. In fact, one is built into the light bulb. So as a general rule, recapping, keep the cell phone away from your bed Make sure that it's also not lighting up every time somebody sends a text message. Flip it over if you have to, if you have to have it on your bed, uh, next to your bed, if possible, keep it on airplane mode. Again, the cell phone is probably the biggest distraction and disruption to your sleep. So ask yourself, who am I kidding? Is this, uh, am I really not sleeping well? Or is it my cell phone giving me all that anxiety and light and brightness in the middle of the night? That's it. And I'm gonna keep this episode short. I know that it's a little hard just listening to my voice, my horse voice uh, after a long day of work. So uh, I will uh, be back next week, next Wednesday with another episode. So if you like what you heard here, or if you even like where this show is going, maybe it's just trending in the right direction, support us by subscribing, giving us a like on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Sleepist Podcast, our URL is sleep.ist. My name is Vlad. My personal blog is vladit.com. If you have any questions, please visit us at the Sleepist website, drop us a line, ask your sleep question, and remember, we are not doctors, we don't play them on TV, and anything you hear on this program should first be checked with your personal doctor.